Hello, it's Robert Bathurst here. I was one of the first guests on My Time Capsule, and Mike has asked me to tell you that you can now listen to the podcast ad-free by subscribing to Acast Plus. Details of how to join are in the description of each episode. Mike says it's very reasonably priced. In fact, Mike says it's a bargain. And who am I to disagree? Locked here in his cellar. Anyway, for a small subscription, Acast Plus, My Time Capsule, ad-free. Free. Unlike me. Life is full of what-ifs. Some awesome. Like what if AI could fold your laundry? And some, well, less awesome. Like what if you have unexpected medical costs? United Healthcare can help get you covered with Health Protector Guard Fixed Indemnity Insurance Plans. They supplement your primary plan to help you manage out-of-pocket costs. No deductibles, no enrollment periods, and especially no more what-ifs. Visit uh1.com to find the Health Protector Guard plan for you. You should celebrate yourself every day, but some days you should celebrate with jewelry. Whether you want to commemorate an unforgettable moment or just bring some added sparkle to your collection, Blue Nile can offer you expert guidance and a wide assortment of jewelry of the highest quality at the best price. Go to BlueNile.com today and experience the ease and convenience of shopping Blue Nile, the original online jeweler since 1999. That's BlueNile.com. BlueNile.com. Hello, and welcome to My Time Capsule. I'm Mike Fenton-Stevens, and if you've not listened to this podcast before, lucky you, because we have over 200 episodes for you to choose from. Now, the idea is simple. I ask my guests what five things from their life they would choose to preserve in a time capsule. See, I told you it was simple. They can choose four things that they cherish, and one they find embarrassing, annoying, or unjust, and would like to get rid of by burying it deep in the ground. My guest in this episode is the Scottish actor, famous for playing Pippin Took in Peter Jackson's epic film trilogy, The Lord of the Rings, Barrett Bonden in Master and Commander with Russell Crowe, and Gerald Forbes in the huge time travel adventure, Outlander. Yes, my guest is the wonderful Billy Boyd. Billy was born in Glasgow and now lives in Los Angeles, which is where I spoke to him over Zoom, the podcast friend. But before we hear that conversation, let me say a bit more about Billy's career, as if those last credits aren't enough. Billy started his acting career at St Andrew's Rep and the Travis Theatre before appearing in Taggart, the film's Urban Ghost Story, Dorothy and the Witches of Oz and The Hobbit, The Battle of the Five Armies, among others, and the TV productions Empty, Moby Dick, Snowfall, Grey's Anatomy, Hollywood, in which he portrayed Noel Coward, Doom Patrol and NCIS Hawaii. Billy fronts the band Bee Cake, the Visit Scotland winner of Best Live Act at the Tartan Clef Music Awards. He wrote and performed the song The Last Goodbye, which was played over the ending credits of the movie The Hobbit, The Battle of the Five Armies. Right, I think that's enough trivia. Let's find out what the delightful Billy Boyd will choose from his life to preserve in a time capsule. And the one thing he wants to bury and forget. Come with me through the wonders of the flawless internet and infallible modern technology to the shores of the Pacific and the City of Angels. How do you turn this thing on? Hello, hello. Hello, hello. 
Oh, sorry about that, Michael. I've got an old computer that I really need to get a new one. And it's, it's <laughs> honestly taken 25 minutes for it to switch itself on now. It is the most frustrating thing in the world, watching that little thing go round, isn't it? It's unbelievable. And, and <laughs> it's an old person thing to say, I know, but they're just making these things to not work at a certain point, so you have to buy the next one, you know? Absolutely. So how are you? Is it a lovely day in LA? It's really hot. It's very, very hot here. Oh, I think I may have lost you there. This computer may still be warming up. <laughs> You're still there? That should be working. I can hear you, Billy. Oh, can you hear me, Michael? No. I can hear you. There you are, look. Yeah. There we are, perfect. <sighs> oh, you're looking good. I'm feeling good, feeling good. It's hot, though. It's hot, Michael. Yeah, I bet. <laughs> no, I mean, that's Los Angeles, isn't it? It's Los Angeles, it's summer. Yeah. I was going to ask, when you did Outlander, did you do it with Chris Larkin? No. No, he's in it at the moment. I did work with Chris Larkin on Master and Commander down in Mexico. Ah, of course, yeah, you did way back. Yeah. Wow, yeah. He was absolutely lovely. He's a fabulous man. I saw him pop up in uh, Outlander there. Yeah, he's got a nice part. Yeah, wonderful. And he was so <laughs> lovely down in Mexico. Just one of the guys I, I really love to hang out with because very positive yeah. attitude and just enjoying himself. I was like, yeah, he's he's great. Yeah, we clicked immediately because everything was a bit miserable and the two of us went, should we go to the pub? Oh, yeah, lovely. We had a nice time. <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> so what have you been up to? What have you been filming? I just finished, actually, um, Washington Black. Oh. This showrunner has made this beautiful nine-part uh, adaptation that I think is really wonderful, I think. So uh, I've been up in Nova Scotia working on wow. for a couple of months. <laughs> You've been to some places, haven't you? Oh, I'm so lucky, yeah. Can you imagine it when you first started? You know, you go off to – where did where did you study? I studied in Glasgow at the Academy or now ah, yeah. um, Conservatoire, as it is now. And sitting there and thinking, yeah, I might get some nice theatre jobs and then yeah. maybe, you know, who knows? I might even go down to London. Yeah, you know, <laughs> who knows exactly? Get a bit of sun. No, you just never. I was just saying that to my son today, not about acting, but just about life. Life, yeah. You have no idea. No. The turns that are going to be thrown at you. It's no, wonderful. no. Life is full of surprises. Today, somebody this morning said, can you yeah. come to London this afternoon? And I said, well, I've, I've got to get back. I'm doing an interview. And they said, <laughs> I said, what's it for? They said, we can't tell you. That's the new thing. Or it feels like the new thing. We can't send you a script. Well, how do I know if I want to do it? Exactly. <laughs> it's, it's really weird, isn't it? It's the go, weirdest thing. Do I not get a say in this? <laughs> <laughs> so exactly. I turned up and they, they said, there's a script. There's, we want you to do this scene. And I said, well, if you'd sent it to me, I could have done it better. Yeah, would you like it better? Because yeah. I could do it better if you just let me know. It's <laughs> the weirdest thing. And I went in and I started doing it and she said, oh, no, it's American. And I went, okay, so you're not going to tell me what it is and you haven't even told me the accent. And that is just, the, isn't it just the craziest? Crazy. And the one they do over here, they will send you every scene. Mm. to do every scene. <laughs> You're like, you have to know that I can do every scene of this character. <laughs> if you see five of them and there are six, you can sort of <laughs> guess that I might be <laughs> able to do the same thing again. So weird. Could you learn Hamlet for me? Yes, I <laughs> just want to make sure that you can do it. Yeah, over the weekend. 
<laughs> exactly. Right, I'm recording here now, Michael. Brilliant. Yeah. We're off and running. This is going to be marvellous. Well, you've basically got an hour before we started there. <laughs> That's the trick. Then if you talk about stuff and it's boring, I can just use all that. It's great. <laughs> yeah, it's good. <laughs> <laughs> so did you get the brief? Did you um, did you have a look at it and have a think about it? Yes. But I thought, you know what? I'm not going to think about this too deeply. I no. thought, I'm going to go with what jumps into my mind and whether it's the wrong thing or, you know... A boring thing. We shall wait and see. We'll find out. But um, I yeah. just thought, yeah. Well, sometimes your first thought is 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 the right one, isn't it? I absolutely agree with you mm. because actually, it is. If you think, okay, let me think about my childhood, and something comes in your brain, then that's it. Uh-huh. Exactly. Which would actually bring me to my first one. If we oh, want right, to talk right. about that yeah. straight away, mm. it is my childhood, and it it relates to my love of film which is uh, probably my great love, maybe. Mm. And I went to the cinema with a friend to see Bill Forsyth's movie, Gregory's Girl. Ah. Do you know it? Oh, who? it's the most beautiful film, isn't it? And sitting in that movie theatre, watching a story that I could relate to... Mm. From watching, you know, I'm used to going to the movies and watching either, you know, huge fantasy movies like the stop motion of that time, which was brilliant. Uh, Seven Voyages of Sinbad, those sort of things, which I loved. (laughs) Or great comedians like uh, Peter Sellers. And other than that, it was American movies telling American stories you know, childhood, high school, whatever it is. Mm. But there was no stories that I could relate to. And then I went to the movie theatres and I watched a boy at a comprehensive school playing in a football team mm. and falling in love with a girl in his class. And I'm like, <laughs> yes, I've, that is me. I know all of this. He's late for school. He doesn't relate to people around him. He's so deeply in love that he can't think of anything else. And I was, I, I was like, that movies can be this. Movies can tell stories about me, Mm. about my life, you know, living in a a working class place in in Glasgow. And I was reminded, actually, and I I didn't get to write back because I I, I don't really understand social media and how it all works. (laughs) And I don't get direct messages because it's too, like, overwhelming. But I was scanning through messages once and I saw a guy said, my dad, I, I saw this on like Twitter. My dad said that he went to see Gregory's Girl with you and you guys loved it so much you stayed, hid in the theatre and stayed and watched it again. Really? And did you? We absolutely did. <laughs> and I wanted to write back to this guy and say, oh, send my love to your dad, you know? Oh, yeah. Because I haven't seen this guy since, you know, no. second year. Mm. And uh, uh, I'd, I'd lost the message somehow. <sighs> but... That, but that shows how much we loved that film, mm. that we were like, let's just watch that again, you know? Yeah, so it's John Gordon Sinclair, isn't it, who's absolutely oh, brilliant in it. Absolutely brilliant. And kind of relating to the thing that we are talking about, about doing your first choice. Yeah. I bet his 
acting style then was just to do whatever came into his head. Yeah. And everything, every choice is perfect. <laughs> everything is wonderful in that movie. It's beautiful. He's so it's funny, but beautiful. he's so touching in it. Right? He's mm. he's because he's he's sort of tall and he's not in his body yet. No. So it's all he's all arms and, and weird <laughs> sort of gestures that he's obviously not putting on. It's who he is at that time. Yeah. And uh just absolutely charming and wonderful. Do you remember who directed it? Yes, I do. It was uh, Bill Forsyth. Bill Forsyth, of course, the Bill Forsyth movie, as you said. Great director. Local hero, mm. comfort and joy, just these wonderful Scottish stories. Yeah. And, um, it's funny, isn't it, because that, that's as powerful, that story, as Gone for the Wind. So you, as you mm -hmm. say, that, those great, big, and sweeping American dramas... But there are moments in that film that are so touching and so beautiful. And just so real and, mm. and human. For people who haven't seen it, you must go and watch it. But he, he plays in a football team. He's the, he's the goalkeeper. And they, they sign a new striker at school <laughs> um, who's, who's a girl, the yeah. first girl ever in the, the football team. And at one point she walks into the changing room when he's, you know, getting showered and he's got his clothes on and stuff. And, but he's like, he's totally freaked out that there's a girl in there. And she starts talking about the summer before when she was on holiday in Italy and how she had this lovely time with these guys in Italy, you know. And, and you could see him just thinking about it. And then it cuts to the next scene with Gregory going into the foreign language department saying, I'd like to learn Italian, you know. <laughs> It was, his whole life would be shaped around just this girl saying a word to him, you know. It's just yeah. wonderful. I can watch that film over and over. All the choices are great in it because uh, oh. the casting all the way through is gorgeous. There's nobody out of place. She, and to, mm. my, to my great shame, I can't remember her name. Do you? Um, hold on. It w um, I don't, and she doesn't work as an actor now. I think no? she's... Oh, sorry. But she's she's fabulous in it. Oh, she's wonderful. And she's just she's just beautiful enough. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. And strong enough. And mm. then and then the twist at the end when the girls sort of organize it for him to meet another girl mm. because she likes him and the, you know, Gregory's girl doesn't really like him, but this other girl does. And they kind of work it out that he meets up with this other girl who turns out to be Claire Grogan. Oh, that's the one I fell in love with. Me too. Oh. This is the thing. It was so well crafted. Wasn't it? That you actually fall in love with the girl who's meant to be with Gregory anyway. Mm -hmm. From Altered Images. He was the singer from Altered oh, Images. Yeah, fantastic. It's just, as you say, every choice in that movie. But for me, for it to go into the, the time capsule is because it, it was the first time I went to the cinema and saw myself, saw someone that could be me, you know. And it's interesting now, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to sort of, uh, I'm going to blow smoke up your ass now, that's what I'm going to do, is I'm going <laughs> to say that that sort of realistic, naturalistic acting mm. works wherever you do it. So if you're sitting on the branch of an end... <laughs> Do you know what I yeah, mean? Yeah, yeah, yes, yes. And you still do that sort of acting. It works. Yeah. 
And yeah. he did. That was a great strength of Lord of the Rings, is that within it there were these very beautiful, very simple human stories that were played mm. really well. And I think that that came from Pete Jackson, you know, mm-hmm. that he said, this has to feel like a history. This can't feel like a fantasy. This this has happened. It might have happened thousands of years before the Earth had humans, whatever, but this is historical. These people are real. It happens. They feel things the way we do. Mm-hmm. And uh, that, that, that was very important to them, which is great because that's what I like to watch, you know. Mm. It took you a while to, to get into acting, didn't it? Oh, it did. Well, I was very into it um, in sort of primary school, doing like uh, our school would do musicals, Oliver and things mm. like that, and I loved it. But sadly, as I got to high school, my both my parents passed away. Right. And I think because of that, it sort of nudged me in a another way. That along with growing up in a sort of working class neighbourhood mm. where I was talking to someone the other day. I didn't know anyone who went to college or university. No. No one. No one from my school. You know, you got a trade or you you worked somewhere else, but mm-hmm. you no one went to college or university. So I, everyone told me, you've got to get a trade. And even when I said I wanted to be an actor, everyone said, well, get a trade first. You've got something yeah. to fall back on. That is always the thing that mm-hmm. people say in working class. Um, yeah, I think become a mattress maker, then you'd always have something to fall back on. Hey, hey! Thank you. <laughs> thank you very much. Hi, thank you very much. <laughs> no, but it, it's true. So I did, I went and got um, I got a trade. I became a bookbinder. I was making books, and I did that for seven or eight years. I decided I didn't like it. Mm. Decided to go to America. So me and a girlfriend at the time said, let's go to Florida. We'll go and live in Florida. And I was talking to an old um, acting teacher and I said, how do you get into acting school? What what do you do? And she said, well, you do, you know, a Shakespeare piece and another piece. I said, I might, I, I think I'll do that when I come back from America. And mm. she said, well, they're still, they're still looking for people for this year. So she helped me with the Shakespeare piece and the other piece, actually. And I auditioned for drama school and I went to America. And while I was in America, I got a letter saying I'd been accepted to the academy. So I came back and that's how I started doing that, yeah. Fantastic. Very strange, yeah. Happy days. (laughs) Happy days. Mm. Exciting. They were. They were happy days, yeah. Really fun. Mm. Just just to have three years to read and and be allowed to do what you wanted with these characters. I, I remember... I felt very privileged to be allowed to be there. I don't think I missed a day. I felt, you know, after being in a a factory for seven years, Mm. just that, I I thought it was wonderful. I loved it. Mm. And, of course, Mm. sadly, if you got it now, you wouldn't be able to do it. You wouldn't be able to afford it. I know. Mm. It's it's all changed, hasn't it? I mean, they paid us to go to college when I went to college. Yeah. You got got a little grant. Wow. Well, Gregory's girl, that's the first thing we're going to put in the time capsule. That's Oh, oh absolutely. Oh, it's fantastic. Wonderful. And in fact, that sorted me out for tonight. I'm definitely, I'm straight on to Netflix or Prime or something. Oh, I'm going to please. find it. Yeah. Although the, the one thing you have to watch with um, uh, Gregory's girl, they made two versions. They dubbed it for the American uh, market. Right. 
And they dubbed it pretty much with a lot of the same actors putting on a slightly posher accent. Oh no! And uh, do not watch that one. No. Make sure that no. make sure. And you, you, you've got a great knowledge of sound and audio, so you'll know it straight away. Do you ever get that? Do you ever get people saying to you, "I'm sorry, we can't understand what you're saying." Oh, I hate it. I, I it's, it's. Uh, I should keep this for the thing to go in. That I don't. <laughs> you like, should but do, yeah. As a, as a Scottish actor, every script I get that's got a Scottish character in it, there's always the gag that somebody can't understand them. Uh. Always. And any anything I do now, if that gag's in it, I say I won't do it. No. No, because the gag is overdone. And not realistic. No. You're just like, stop being stereotypical, you know, just someone has a different accent. Yeah. And we're all supposed to understand Arkansas. I know, exactly. Yeah, or, or even New York. Mm-hmm. It's only because we watch these TV shows and, and we get to know it. Mm. But, um, yeah, that is actually a pet hate. Yeah. <laughs> that, especially that gag. And honestly, you not being a Scotsman yourself, you won't know this, but every script that I get offered with a Scots character, that gag is in it. I bet. It's such an easy one to write, though, isn't it? It's oh. and another one where you open a wallet and butterflies fly out or moths. Yeah, exactly, mm-hmm. exactly. And and it'll be the same. You know, there'll be Liverpool ones, there'll be Manchester ones. Yeah, yeah. And for those, you know, I could be writing something about a Liverpudley and and write one of those gags that would probably really annoy them. Yeah, and they'd be um, so. For the writers who write that gag, I apologise when I lose my mind in the writing room. <laughs> it's no. just that I've read it so many times. Yeah, no, you're right. Yeah. Work harder. <laughs> Think of a better yeah. joke. <laughs> exactly. All right, that's the first thing, Billy. Brilliant. Uh, so, mm. what else do you want to put in? Well, let's. Music has been a, such a big part of my life as well. Mm. Um, playing in bands, writing music is um, is another great passion of mine and something I'm so glad has come into my life at an early age. And lately, my good friend, Peter Jackson, <laughs> made a documentary. About some band, wasn't it? What was it? About, yeah, four guys from Liverpool. Oh, uh, right, yeah. <laughs> well, watch out, they'll nick your tyres. <laughs> So, Pete Jackson made this documentary about the Beatles, Get Back. Have you you seen it yet, Michael? I I haven't. I've seen bits of it. I haven't seen all of it, no. Well, after you've watched Gregory's Girl, so maybe not tonight because just, just drown in the beauty that is Gregory's Girl. I might stay in the cinema and see it twice. Exactly, it's wonderful. And then, if I remember right, a plate of lentil soup in the cafe next door before we went home. <laughs> but anyway, get back is unbelievable. I was I, I I now just switch it on sometimes when I don't know what to watch. I'll switch it on wherever it is. Mm. It's I think it's about nine hours long. Yeah, it's it's three parts of three hours. And when it came out, I watched it like. You know, I focused on it and I watched it. And I, at first I was like, wow, this is too long and too repetitive. And then as you get into it, you're like, no, they're telling the story of how these songs were written. Yeah. These these songs that will be there forever now, I hope, in somebody's time capsule. Mm-hmm. And it's showing you how it was done. 
and we're watching this band slowly disintegrate as well. And we're watching these these four men who have loved each other for so long, but they're starting to kind of get their own lives. They're getting their own. They're getting married. They want to do their own music, and it is. It is one of the greatest things I have ever seen, mm. and I can't I can't stop going back to it. We're touching on humanity. It it just like the bit I was watching last night. They were doing um, two of us, two of us riding nowhere, and they they at the end they they're kind of working out, and they said it's actually starting to sound okay. It was a mess, you know, but it's, and they go into the the control room to listen to what they've recorded and they're like yeah it could maybe be a b-side yeah. you know this is they're going to put it on a b-side this yeah. song anybody else wrote that song it'd be the greatest song they ever wrote exactly mm. as someone said who went to see uh, paul mccartney and the the tour he's doing just now he didn't play yesterday no. how many songwriters <laughs> could leave out yesterday yes i mean he's written so many hits it's unbelievable two of us there's there's such a Paul McCartney moment in it as well, isn't there? That's what I love about it. I love that fact that you get John Lennon and Paul McCartney and then George Harrison sneaking in quite often. I you know. know. But you get, you get that wonderful thing where the two of us ride in mess. Yeah. And then you get, you and I have memories yeah. longer than the road that stretch. And yeah. you go, wow, that's so Paul McCartney. And their harmonies are oh. so close. And, and they're, they're even doing little vocal trills together oh, in wow. harmony. Mm. And you can see them catch each other's eyes and go, ooh, look what we just did, you know? <laughs> like even they're impressed with what they're doing after 20 years of playing in clubs and pubs and mm-hmm. getting drunk together and writing songs and being in a, a room, the four of them together. It's just this, you you have to watch it. It is absolutely brilliant. And I know from knowing Pete a little bit that he's a huge fan of the Beatles. And I think the first movie that was made about that time, the Abbey Road sessions, and, and it kind of showed the Beatles breaking up and mm. it was sad and it was, it was quite ugly. And I think Pete Jackson just wanted to show a different side of that. Mm. And he got all this footage, you know, hours and hours and hours of footage, audio, video, and he put it through these amazing computers that he has now Mm. to make all the little guys in Lord of the Rings seem real and all that. (laughs) So he now uses it to, like, what happens if I put through old film? You know, he, he. I've talked to him about it. He doesn't even know what's going to happen. No. And and it looks. This looks like a video that was taken ten years ago. It is. It's is stunning. I mean, the, the thing he did with the First World War was astonishing. And that was the same thing. That's when I talked to him about it. Right. He said he got all this footage from the museum, and they wanted him to make a movie. And he said, I don't know what will happen if I put this through the software, but let's try it. And then it pops out like it was a video. You suddenly see all the people's bad teeth. And yeah. So human, of course. You're so used to seeing those images and going, well, that's a long time ago, and they don't necessarily mm. feel human. Even when you see piles of dead bodies, mm-hmm. seeing them once he treated it and made it look present, yeah. horrifying. Horrifying. These young men down in those trenches. Yeah. And wasn't it lovely, as someone who understands audio, wasn't it lovely, the accents and regional... He found out where these soldiers all came from and got real actors from, you know, Cornwall yeah. or wherever 
and just got these real voices. Sitting around smoking and drinking tea. And he had people lip reading to work out what they were saying. A lot of work went into it. Amazing. Amazing. He's an extraordinary man. You're very, very lucky to have worked with him, I think. Michael, as a fan of film, there's no greater thing than getting to work with, you know, a genius. And that that word is thrown around now, but he truly is a, a genius. And being, a, being in the editing room and watching him edit a scene together is, you can't buy that. The nerve to do what he did is extraordinary. Oh. To actually sort of go, well, you know, I'm going to take these books and I'm going to make three massive films and it's going to go on for ages and I'm going to include nearly everything. I really am. And you go, no, no, you can't. You can't. I remember going to see the cartoon of the first part of Lord of the Rings. Yes, at the cinema yes. And thinking, that's not bad, actually, considering yeah. how complicated the books are. Ralph Barsky. Yeah. And then yeah. to see what he did with it. Unbelievable. It's a, it's amazing and with no knowledge that he could do it that's the wonderful thing that's the great thing about those great artists isn't it you just say you'll do it and then you work out how to do it then you start yeah you start and then you just keep going (laughs) in a world where people complain slightly that everything is videoed and everything is photographed Mm. because we all have Mm. phones and you can't do anything without Mm. somebody recording it it is wonderful that somebody sat there with a film camera and filmed all of that footage of the Beatles rehearsing. It's amazing. And, yeah, what I think is to show a young musician this is what it takes to to write a great album, you know. Mm. You get, you know, great musicians that you're friends with, you're all in the same headspace, and then you all work together and bounce off each other. And, you know, the repetition of nobody once said, oh, let's not play that one again. (laughs) Repetition, repetition, and then an, another little three notes would come out from George, and that, that would be the riff that makes the song. Mm. Or Ringo would just hit the right beat, and you're like, oh, wow, it's just, it's, it's absolutely wonderful. Uh, so you can have that for the weekend, Michael. That's, yeah, that's your weekend that's it. sorted. I'm never going out again. <laughs> <laughs> I think it's for the best. Thank you. You've seen me in public. It's not good. <laughs> it's not great. <laughs> Oh. You are looking well, though, mate. You're looking great. Oh, thank you. Well, I haven't you know, seen you for a while. No, but a long yeah, time. You haven't changed at all. <laughs> Honestly, yeah, you're looking great. You're looking great. Yeah, it's um, it's a while, isn't it? God. Mm. Oh, well, mm. you know. So we're going to put Get Back in. Yeah, I think so. Lovely. Because since it's came out, I, I, it's my, it's my go-to mm. to kill half an hour. I'll put that yeah. on. Yeah. So that's two things, Billy. What's next? Okay, for those of you who aren't too keen on podcasts and only really listen in order to catch the odd advert, this is your moment. Yes, it's ad break time. We'll be back the moment they're done. Cool fact, a crocodile can't stick out its tongue. Also, you can get health insurance for a month or just under a year in some states. United Healthcare short-term insurance plans, underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, offer flexible, budget-friendly coverage for you. Learn more at UH1.com. Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. Recently, I asked Mint Mobile's legal team if big wireless companies are allowed to raise prices due to inflation. They said yes. And then when I asked if raising prices technically violates those onerous two-year contracts, they said, what the f*** are you talking about, you insane Hollywood ass. So to recap, we're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows full terms at mintmobile.com. 
A lot can happen in the next three years. Like a chatbot may be your new best friend. But what won't change? Needing health insurance. United Healthcare Tri-Term Medical Plans are available for these changing times. Underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, they offer budget-friendly, flexible coverage for people who are in between jobs or missed open enrollment. The plans last nearly three years in some states, with access to a nationwide network of doctors and hospitals. So for whatever tomorrow brings, United Healthcare Tri-Term Medical Plans may be for you. Learn more at UH1.com. Okay, I'm afraid we have to interrupt these adverts for a podcast. The second part of my time capsule with Billy Boyd. But keep listening, there may be some more ads at the end of the podcast. So the next one is going to be a book, and it's a book called Autobiography of a Yogi by a, a gentleman called uh, Parmahansa Yogananda. I don't know it at all. Well, yeah, he was an Indian yogi. Mm-hmm. And he came to America, I think, in the 1940s to start sort of, you know, teaching the sort of spiritual practices of India to America. And he settled in Los Angeles. And part of his time, he wrote this autobiography, Autobiography of a Yogi, which I ended up reading and got me interested in meditation and yoga Mm. And and that has now became a, a a huge part of my life and and something I think that is, you know, I think could be very helpful for a lot of people uh, in the world. Uh, mm. Just that sort of, especially in the modern world, just kind of switching off for a little bit and taking time just to breathe and just think, wow, it's, it's actually okay just to sit here and breathe, you know. Mm. And um, so that book autobiography of a yogi would be my next one. Yes. Mm. We do spend a lot of time planning and mm-hmm. chasing and, mm-hmm. and thinking about what's coming up rather than actually thinking about where we are, don't we? Absolutely. Absolutely. And and thinking about where we are can sometimes be the scariest thing because when you get to where you are, sometimes that then makes you think about the future and think, oh, wait a minute. If I'm only here in five years, I could be, oh, no, no, in 10 years, oh, no, and it all starts to slip away, you know, and you start (laughs) to panic. And sometimes it feels easier to go, oh, I've got a five-year plan. I know exactly what I'm doing. Mm. I'm going to invest in this. Uh, In six years, I'll buy my second property, and then I'll do this, and I'll do that. And life never lets you do that. You know, life has other ideas for you. And I think what the Indian sort of spiritual world, what they did when the rest of the world sort of went external, you know, we need this, we need that, we can do this. Science, which is wonderful, we're discovering this, and if we dig this out, we can use that to power a car. India sort of went inwards and sort of tried to work out the world and the universe inwardly. Mm. And I think we've went too externally and it do us all a bit of help if we just went inside a little bit and just kind of calm down, breathe. It wasn't uh, it wasn't that author, actually, who I read. It was someone else, maybe a, a gentleman called Krishnamurti, who said, if you can sit in a garden without a book, without music, and just sit there, for you know, as long as you want, and just look at what's going on, then that's it. You've you've worked life out. That's it. You, mm. There's nothing else that you need to do, and it's true. 
If you can get to that place where you can just sit wherever you are and just enjoy it, you know, yeah. if a plane is delayed for an hour, if you can sit down and go, I'll enjoy this hour just sitting here, mm-hmm. then you you have won at life, you know. Yeah, yeah. I'm cursed. <laughs> I'm absolutely cursed with that. Oh, really? This is lovely. What are we doing this afternoon? Oh, yeah, yeah. No. So I've been, you know, using that practice and meditating now, probably over 20 years. Right. Did you first um, discover it when you went to America then? No, even before. Even really? before. Yeah, I was um, sort of doing yoga in Scotland um, before I went to America. And through that, you know, get more and more into whatever sort of, you know, just borrowing from everything. This works, that works. And then I found that yoga became, certainly in America, much more a, a workout. It's just another workout for most people. So mm-hmm. there's no sort of, there's no inward diving for most of it, you know. No. But um, when I got to America, I suppose I get more into the sort of meditation side of it. Mm-hmm. And that became more important than the actual poses. But the poses get you to the meditation. I think that's the idea, that if you start doing the poses, you'll accidentally get interested in the rest of it, you know. Yes. Because you'll have to concentrate on what you're doing in order to in be able to do that. In that moment. Yeah. And, and another very important one from the poses, I think, Michael, and I've taken this with me uh, through everything, is a teacher said once, don't make the pose look beautiful on the outside if it feels awful inside. Uh-huh. And I kind of, if you take that into your life, yeah. it's super important. If everything on your outside is a sort of lie, then your inside is going to feel awful. Mm -hmm. But if you reflect what you're kind of doing and who you are, then it's kind of all right. Like as an actor, you know, as an actor, everybody always asks you, so what are you doing now? What's your next job? Mm. And I I take great glee in saying, I don't have one. I've got (laughs) nothing, you know? And that's... That's easier than going, oh, oh, I've been talking to a director about this. I've got a few things in the pipeline. You know, and it doesn't reflect how you're feeling. But if you're just totally honest and say, you know what, I've got absolutely nothing, I might never work again. Then you go, oh, that's actually quite nice. Now I'll go and sit in the garden. (laughs) It is nice. Sometimes it's really annoying when a job comes along. I was really enjoying having nothing to do. (laughs) Exactly, especially when they don't let you read the script and you don't know what you're going to do. (laughs) It's true. Now, this is a weird question because um, it may be completely wrong, but did you start to develop that because you'd lost both your parents, because of the tragedy of it? Mm, Maybe. I think, you know that way, Michael, that it's, it's hard to look at your life and think of it any other way because you've only... You've now, you're on that path, you yeah. know? And my path is that I didn't have parents after I was 14, you know? Mm. So I, I don't know what life is like being a 20-year-old with parents or, you know, I don't know what that is. No. So it's hard for me to say what I would be or who I would be, you know, if my parents hadn't died. But I definitely feel... I feel like I'm more introvert and more, you know, quite happy being myself than I would be because I think those sort of 14, 15, 16, I didn't have parents to ask things or, you know, so I sort of sat in my room and tried to work it out, you know. Yeah, yeah. So whether that sort of inner working out 
is what took me to meditation. Mm. I don't know, you know. It, it could well be. Yeah. But um, I, I definitely feel that it's, um, it's a worthwhile practice. It doesn't take a long time. But it, it does take a, if you're honest, it does take a long time to get the sort of goodness from it, you know, to mm. start feeling like it has affected your life. Mm. And it's not, it's not a light bulb moment and it's not Beatles hallucinogenics, you know, it's just getting used to just sitting and being quiet and, you know, and just being sort of, grateful to be able to breathe kind of thing you know it's mm. it's quite a simple simple practice really yeah so whether it came from that i don't know don't know i think my meditation happens while i'm doing this podcast strangely yeah sometimes i get to real sort of almost zen-like state where i'm listening to people yeah listening and i'm right there and people really draw me in it's great listening to people is a, is a lost art as well isn't it everyone should have a podcast so yeah. get made to listen to a guest every every week. Yeah. yeah. Okay. Now shut up and listen. Just listen to this. Yeah. But there's there's not enough of that in the world. Everyone has a story, right? Everyone yeah. has something to tell yeah. you. Yeah. Okay. Well, let's put that in as your third item. That's really nice. And it's very very simple, Michael. It's not, and and you know you can make it as complicated as you want, and people will try to make it complicated. And they'll charge a fortune to teach you it. Mm. But I also heard the reason some practices do that is so that people feel that it's worthwhile. <laughs> you know, yeah. if you've spent a thousand dollars on a course, you think, <laughs> well, I'll, I'll better do this now, you know. It keeps you at it. Yeah, yeah. yeah. But see, yeah. it very simply just sit down and just breathe in and just say, I'm breathing in. And then breathe out and just say, I'm breathing out into yourself, just into your mind and just do that for two minutes. Mm-hmm. The difference in your life is, is amazing. Fabulous. You can do that after Gregory's Girl. Yeah. I'm going to be thinking of uh, Claire Grogan. I'm sorry. Dancing on the grass. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Wonderful. Yeah. Okay. So that's, um, that's three things we put in. We've got two more. We've got one more that you want to keep and one more that you want to get rid of from your life. Okay. Should we do get rid of? Yeah, why not? Get it out of the way. Right, okay. Now, this this could be controversial and um, maybe a bit cynical and negative. And I don't even know if in Britain you have this term, mm-hmm. but in America they have a term of uh, women and guys who are a certain type and they call them Karens and Kens. Have you heard of this? No, I haven't. I don't even know where it came from. I think it was a specific video it started with and the woman happened to be called Karen, I think. But it's basically people sticking their nose into other people's businesses. <laughs> this is the thing. You know, someone just walking their dog and and they feel like they have to come over and tell them that they have the wrong lead on their dog. <laughs> you know, that kind of thing, you know. Yeah. Like once I was in Glasgow and I was out with my dog... And I, a guy came over to me and said, that dog should have a, a, a jacket on, it's raining. And I, I thought, <laughs> what, did, what did the dog do before I, I lived with people? With, what did dogs do? They didn't have jackets. No. But, you, you know, those people. And then to accelerate the sort of Karen and Ken thing, then came um, COVID. Uh-huh. And then certainly with people over here, there's an unwritten contract that you sign to be in society. Mm-hmm. And you're saying the majority of people think this, if I'm going to live in this society, I have to join in 
with that. I have to accept their view, yes. I have to accept because I'm part of this society Mm -hmm. and so I'm, I'm with the majority. It's a democracy. So things like, you know, the people who went onto planes and didn't wear their mask when... When you bought a ticket during that time, it said you have to wear a mask. Yes. And then you got to the airport and the airport said you have to wear a mask. And then they get through all that, got to the plane and said, I'm not going to wear my mask. And you're just like, have you not signed the unwritten, we're in a society? Don't, don't fly on the plane. Take your car, that's fine. Yeah. Or buy, buy your own plane. <laughs> Do whatever you want. But if you're in a society and we're saying this... You no, know, no, don't... it's very weird, isn't it? My town, I think just to have something to do, really, because there, during lockdown <laughs> there was nothing happening, nobody going anywhere and everybody was wandering around trying to not bump into people. They put a one-way system into the town and they put <laughs> arrows on the pavement. You walk this way on oh, this track. Oh, yeah, yeah, and, and, yeah. And, and, Absolutely everybody went, well, I'm perfectly capable of avoiding people. I don't need that. There was always one person who went, uh, excuse me, I think you're walking down the walking up road. <laughs> so that's when that's when society got together and said the contract is we're ignoring these crazy yeah, things. Yeah, this is but bad. then you have the Karen or the Ken saying, no, no, there's an arrow going this way. <laughs> you know, so that sort of thing. There's, um, oh, I forget the name of the writer. And she's got a great documentary on Netflix called mm. Pretend It's a City. Have you seen that? No, I haven't. No. It's brilliant. So she gets so annoyed. She's living in New York all her life. And she, you know, when there's someone texting as they walk into a, a hotel foyer and bumping into people and stuff, yeah. and her thing is, look, let's pretend you're living in a city, which obviously <laughs> you are. You know, it's these people who don't buy into, this is a society. Imagine there were other people around. Yes, imagine <laughs> there was other people also trying to live their lives. Here's the one that sums it up for me, Michael, if you don't mind. My son used to be very into football, or soccer, as they call it here. Mm-hmm. So when you went to pick up your kid at the soccer, you know, they finished playing their, their game of football, and there would be a, a car park that, you know, for 100 cars or whatever... And there's 20 cars coming to pick them up. Mm. So you take your place in the car park and wait for the game to finish. There's only one road going in and out. (laughs) There's always someone who parks on the road to pick up their kid. So then your kid comes, gets in, and you go to come, and you can't get out because they're parked on the road. (laughs) Rather than go the extra 20 yards to park in the car park yeah. while they wait for their kid to come. Oh, pretend it's a city. Thanks for considering me. You know what I mean? But, you know, we're both uh, fans, I'm sure, of Hitchhiker's Guide to the Galaxy. Yeah. Well, we were lucky enough to do uh, Dirk Gently together, didn't we? Yeah, it was wonderful. Whatever happened to Olivia Coleman? Yeah, what did... What? I don't know. I remember she, she was, so she good was pregnant. She probably quit after that. Yeah, yeah, probably. Yeah. I remember she was pregnant. We went for a lovely cup of tea and a cake. Mm-hmm. She was lovely. She yeah. was... Uh, yeah, but um, the, he was obviously uh, quite interested in the Karens and Kens of the world and, and how they make things difficult to live in a city. Mm. So... You know, if I had to put something in that I'd never have to see again, it's those people who forget that they're they're living in a society. Very good. There we go. Absolutely. Yes, lovely. Right, let's bury them deep and forget about them. Yes, and then we can all live an idyllic life 
all living together. Yeah, well, we can all look out for each other and be reasonable. It's a team game, isn't it, Michael? Isn't it just, why, yeah. why is it not a team game life? Yeah. It'd just be so much easier and nicer. Yeah. There was a lady the other day, and I'm not saying that I'm, I'm a nice person in any way, but she... I, was, I walked into the car park and she's obviously working in one of the restaurants around. I hear her on the phone saying, it won't take cash I, I, and I don't have a card with me and I can't get out of the, the car park. So mm. I come back down the stairs and I say, well, can you not pay for your parking? She says, no, I've got $5, but it won't take cash. Mm. I said, oh, let me pay for your parking. She said, I'll give you the $5. I said, no, no, please. And so she got out got to go wherever she was going. And then I felt great because I was a team player. Yeah. So it was a win-win situation. <laughs> and if we all did little things like that every day, can you imagine the world we would live in? You're right. It is very, very simple. They don't have to be big things. Small things no. make a big difference. And it's sad that having used your card, the machine wouldn't accept it when you tried to get out. <laughs> exactly. And I was in there for two days. <laughs> Nobody would give you $5. <laughs> no way. <laughs> but it's true, isn't it? All these little things, if we just did it, everyone, there's a lot of fear in the world, isn't there? That's the thing. You're always, well, certainly in, in America, they're, they're scared everyone's going to shoot them or. Yeah. 99% of people are pretty good, you know? Mm -hmm. Except for the Kens and the, the Karens. And we've yeah. already. They're gone, been don't worry. Deep. They're gone. You're done. They're gone, mate. Good, good. Lovely. So we one final thing that you treasure. Here we go. This sort of takes me on to family and art and creating. I think um, I think the art of creating something is, is really important in life. Mm -hmm. Whether you're good at it or not, just making things is is really important. And my wife, who is a sort of you know, she was a dancer and a a teacher, very physical. Her life's always been very physical. And the last few years, she's got into art, drawing. And she started this little business called uh, Gallus Life. And Gallus, I don't know if you know, Michael, is a Scottish word. And it means sort of, it's got a lot of meanings. But if you saw someone dressed slightly extravagant, you know, someone you knew and, and they're wearing their... A, bright red pair of pants, red mm. trousers, you know, and they're walking down the street with these red trousers on. You go, oh, look at Michael. It's a bit gallus, eh? You uh, know, it's it's kind of, it's good. It's a good thing, but it's a little, yeah. oh, self-confident. Or you could eat something and say, oh, that was gallus. You know, it's really good. So she started this art kind of business where T-shirts and prints and it's all sort of Scottish sayings. And, and Scottish drawings and, and little words that you wouldn't use unless you were Scottish. And mm. as well as loving that, the, the art of that, I love that my wife is creating this thing and how, how obsessed she got with it, how she would spend 14 hours a day painting and drawing. And, and, and it wasn't something that was part of her life for 30 years, you know? No. It's funny, isn't it? You find something you love and it, yeah. it's not work. I know. Yeah. And how you can do it. And that creating it, that, you know, my son, who's been a drummer uh, since he was five, and we, we, we got a piano for the house there. And how he'll sit on that piano for hours, just mm -hmm. like, he doesn't know how to play it yet, but he's just working it out. And, Brilliant. And that thing of creating 
is is incredibly important, I think, Michael. Mm. You know, in a world where we're so used to, well, I have to make money so I can buy that and I have to, our five-year plan, our 10-year plan is what we're talking about. Yeah, yeah. But just that thing of sitting down and whether you're whatever, you know, in the garden, planting stuff, if that's your thing, you're creating this life or or you're writing a song like Paul McCartney or or you learn how to make movies like Peter Jackson, whatever it is, mm. just that art of making a thing is is hugely important. And all those people would have started in really simple ways. They would have started with something very basic. Exactly. And then look at them fly. And we sort of know that, but it's, it's hard, isn't it? It's mm. hard to be... You know, you need to do 400 drawings to even work out what you want to draw. But <laughs> then you go, I don't want to do 400 drawings. Whereas my wife didn't think that. She just did a drawing and she went, oh, that was all right. I'll do another one. Yeah. You know, and 14 hours later, bed and then up in the morning and I'll do another one. You know, and just that thing of, and then it, you you find your voice through that creative art, whatever it is. You mm. know? Or doing a play, doing a play. Yeah, yeah, well, all those people. But, I mean, I've done all sorts of things in my life, largely because I'm probably fairly tight, where I've gone, well, I'm not going to pay someone else to do that. I'm sure I can do it. I can work that out. And actually, it's given me enormous pleasure, apart from I once made a stained glass window. Oh. And uh, and I worked incredibly hard on this thing. And I read about it and I worked uh-huh. on it. I cut all the glass. I put it in. I leaded it. I soldered oh, it. Oh, wow. Uh, yeah, absolutely. It was great. I'd measured the window and I put it into place and it was it fitted perfectly. It was absolutely no. fabulous. And I thought, wow. And I thought, right, I'll just put a little nail in the top there to just to hold it in place so it's, so yeah. it's solid. But the hammer was just out of reach. And I took my hand off it and thought, yeah, it's okay, it's balanced, it's okay, it's fine. And I turned away to pick up the hammer and then I heard this enormous crash. Oh, no. Mm. It took me almost a year before I was willing to do it again. I was so upset. I think I think there's a a, a great lesson there. I think Michael, and the, it's the creating of it. It's not the finished product. <laughs> <laughs> there's a there's a wonderful artist again. I'm terrible at names, and there is a documentary about him on Netflix. I think he's a Scottish artist, and he makes um, sand art on the beach, spends all day, all day making this beautiful art. Then the tide comes in, it's gone. Yeah. So he makes it, takes a picture of it, and then the tide comes in, takes it. Is that John Galsworthy? No. Mm, Don't know. There is an artist called John Galsworthy, I think, who does that fleeting art. So he will make things out of leaves in a wood. Oh, yeah. You know, or petals, and then they're gone. Well, not many artists do that with glass, but you did. I did. Wonderful. Well done, Michael. I I made a a more complicated piece of glass by breaking every single piece of it. Maybe that's your thing. Maybe you should make these beautiful (laughs) things over years and then just get a little hammer and (laughs) just get rid of them. No, no, I want one of your wife's T-shirts. Yeah, yeah, well, we'll send you one. Do you know the the Scottish saying I wanted it? You want salt and sauce with that? Uh, Salt and sauce, there's a good one. That's an Edinburgh one. The one that I like to just get a T-shirt just now, it's got, can I clap your dug? (laughs) <laughs> Which I love in America means nothing, no. you know. 
<laughs> you know, can I pet your dog? Yeah. Can I clap your dog? It's uh, brilliant. Brilliant. So when I'm at the dog park, I'm always wearing that with yeah, my, yeah. My, my little dog there. Uh, well, dear, absolutely. Creativity, yeah. creating things, making things. Beautiful. Isn't it so important? As a child, everybody does it. Children do it all the time. Yeah. That's all they want to do Yeah, is create something new. You give them a box, they'll turn it into a house. You give them a piece of paper, they'll draw all over it. They'll paint on it all day yeah. and then they'll give you it. And it's only when someone says, oh, that's not very good, yeah. then they start to go, oh, wait a minute. And we Maybe start I... to lose it. We lose it as yeah. we grow older. We think, well, I can't do that. I can't do that. We narrow everything down. But in fact, yeah. we should be opening doors. Yeah, just doing stuff and being bad at it and it doesn't matter. And, no. you know, it's it, and, and also the thing we talked about where... Start doing it. You don't need to know how you're going to end it. Mm -hmm. Just do it. This is how it's going to start. I don't know how it's going to end, you know. Start a story, yeah. The best stories I've ever told have been when my children have said, tell us a story at bedtime. Don't read us one, tell us one. Yeah. And I go, okay. Uh, There was a little wood mouse. And then off you go? And off you go. I did. Do you know the playwright David Gregg? Mm. Lovely playwright up in, um, he's now the artistic director of um, the Lyceum in Edinburgh. Yeah, yeah. And he did a play once called San Diego, where he wrote the whole play like that. He just he just started writing and he said, you know, Tony arrives stage left carrying a goose. And then, <laughs> like, exactly like yeah. you. And then he, but then he said, I'm going to put this on as a play. And we did it. We did it as a play. Wow. And it was wonderful. It's amazing. Your mind knows stuff that you don't think it knows. It's mm. already put the story together, but you just don't know that. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Okay. That goes in there. That's the final item. So we close it up and that's your time capsule done. We've been talking about doing this for a long time and it's so lovely yeah. to see you. I'm so sorry it has, it has taken a little bit of time. but Don't, uh, don't apologise. It's not as if you're a busy man or anything. I've got I've got my own podcast now. We we'll need to get you on that. The Friendship Onion. We, I do it with um, Don Monaghan from Lord of the Rings. And we met on that movie 20 years ago, formed a friendship, and now we're just talking about friendship and whatever. It's nice to talk. Isn't it? Isn't it just? It really is. And and and, and even more so to listen, as you say, you know, we we're, it's a, not a lost art, but it's it's difficult when there's so much going on just to sit and listen to someone, mm. you know. So taking an hour, you're probably doing yourself a lot of good there, Michael. <laughs> just... Uh... <laughs> And I bet you've got, like, a ton of books and films and music. I mean, doing this podcast and everyone telling you what they want in I there. I can't tell you. My life is full of things that people have recommended to me. It's brilliant. The rest of your life. Yeah. I tell you a sad thought, and this was one that Dom did the other day. He was saying, you know, how many books do you read a year? And I was like, oh, not that many, actually. I'm quite a slow reader. And he said, you need to start making a list. Because we don't have that long left. Ah. And actually, you know, if you're doing five books a year, <laughs> it's not that many books you've got left to read, you know? No. <laughs> I thought, oh, that's quite sad. And people are writing them all the time. You say, slow down. Yeah. <laughs> Can everybody just stop for a minute? <laughs> Give me a chance to catch up. <laughs> <laughs> Oh, thank God Dickens is dead. That's all I can say. Oh, I know, right? <laughs> That's brilliant. Oh, Billy, how lovely to see Great you. Great to see you, mate. Lovely to see you. I hope we can uh, meet up for a pint in London or something sometime soon. I'll drop you a note. 
You have been listening to My Time Capsule with me, Mike Fenton-Stevens, and my wonderful guest, Billy Boyd. I hope you had as much fun listening to that episode as I had making it, although I have been promised a beer, so I think I won. Still, if you did like it, then do tell your friends. And you can subscribe, tweet about it, share on Facebook, Instagram, rate, and even review the podcast. And if you do all of them, then see a doctor straight away. You need help. However, any one of them on its own is a sign of class and good taste. So thank you. You can follow me on Twitter, Instagram and Facebook. And my time capsule is on there as well. And no, I don't run both of them. So they're worth following, particularly if you like the odd photo of me and my grandchildren. Our producer was John Fenton Stevens, sometimes known as Pass the Peas Music, the composer and performer of our theme tune, which you can hear anytime you like on Spotify. Spotify. This was a cast-off production for Acast. Anyway, enough about me and my podcast. Let's get back to those adverts. I shan't be listening myself. I've got a bottle of scotch to polish off. Yeah, I nearly always drink whiskey neat. But today, I think I might leave my shirt hanging out. Yeah, all right, not a funny joke, but it is quick. Bye. Hey, it's Paige DeSorbo from Giggly Squad. High quality fashion without the price tag. Say hello to Quince. I'm snagging high-end essentials like cozy cashmere sweaters, sleek leather jackets, fine jewelry, and so much more. With Quince being 50 to 80% less than similar brands. And they partner with factories that prioritize safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. I love that. Luxury quality within reach. Go to quince.com slash style to get free shipping and 365 day returns on your next order. Quince.com slash style. Mom deserves the best and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts. Start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. 